Welcome to the PreparedX podcast, your complete source for crisis, emergency, business continuity and security preparedness interviews, news, and much more. Now, your host, he creates chaos for a living, Rob Burton. Hello and welcome to episode 84 of the PreparedX podcast. I'm your host, Rob Burton. Welcome to episode 84. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just before we get started, I want to let you know um, that this episode is brought to you by First Look. Uh, many of you know that First Look is PreparedX's self-guiding simulation exercise service that allows you to deliver a simulation exercise that is designed by our crisis management team. Um, check out that uh service via preparedx.com slash first look. Okay, today I'm joined by Lorraine Schneider, who is the global crisis manager at Disney, as well as the founder of the Emergency Management Growth Initiative, which is with, which will be our focus today in terms of this uh, podcast. So we're looking forward to it. Welcome, Lorraine. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Rob. Uh, just before we get started um, with the podcast, Lorraine, could you, for our audience, just let them know a little bit about your career so far? Yeah, so I entered the emergency management space about five years ago. After graduating from college, I enrolled in a certificate program in emergency management and homeland security, which really introduced me to the field of emergency management. I originally, I grew up in Europe and I had never heard of emergency management up until I sat in my first class and got taught everything about earthquake science and all of that. So that was my, yeah, that was my introduction. (laughs) And I started interning for the City of Los Angeles Emergency Management Department. They have a quite robust internship program that really exposes you to all the facets of emergency management. And then once I graduated from my program, I landed my uh, first um, job working for UCLA um, uh, as their first ever training specialist for their Office of Emergency Management. So I... Yeah, I got to to build a program from the ground up, which was quite exciting. And then over the last uh, yeah two years ago or a year and a half ago, I transitioned over to the Walt Disney Company, uh, where I work as a program manager in training and exercise design uh, for yeah our, our corporate uh, group. That's wonderful. I appreciate you uh, sharing that with us. So uh, I know we're going to be talking about the EM Growth Initiative today. So, But before we get started with that, um, you know, just from your own standpoint, I know COVID, you know, is still a hot topic, uh, certainly here in the States. Um, I was on uh, some training today with a couple of folks down in New Zealand, and they seem to have done, uh, obviously, New Zealand's done a great job in terms of managing uh, COVID. But uh, just from your own standpoint, um, I've often asked this question, how has it impacted impacted you personally, but also, you know, from a business standpoint? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate that um, myself, my wife, our families, everybody has been in good health throughout this entire time. Uh, so we feel extremely lucky for that. And lucky for the positives that came out of, of COVID, for example, getting to spend that extra time with my wife. Um, no. she, she just uh, started traveling for work again this week. And but we're very grateful for, you know, the whole year that we had of being together essentially 24-7. Uh, that's, <laughs> right. you, that's, you work some kinks out, I suppose. Yeah, we, 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 did, <laughs> yeah, we did too. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and I, I enjoy making the best out of every situation. And I was fortunate enough to get to do so during COVID. So I was able to repurpose the extra time that I have at home, not commuting across crazy LA traffic. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm, I got to focus on some personal and professional development. I hosted a my first ever podcast last year, COVID-19 Heroes, which uh, follows the uh, the lives of those who are helping and, and working on the front lines of the pandemic. So that was a great project um, to get to do. And I started my master's program in the fall. Um, I am pursuing an executive master's in international strategy and diplomacy for the London School of Economics and Political Science. And I get to do that uh even based here in Los Angeles, which is really great. And uh, I also got to launch the Emergency Management Growth Initiative, which I'm excited to talk to you about today. That is wonderful. Well, you've been busy during this uh, you know, uh, crazy time, so um, kudos to you. Uh, Lorraine. Yeah, let's start off with uh, the, an overview then of what is the Emergency Management Growth, growth, um, growth Initiative. So it launched last year and it all started out as pretty much like a, a dinner, bringing other emergency management colleagues together. Uh, that was right before everything locked down and having conversations. And essentially what EMGI is about is making the emergency management profession both more visible and accessible. Working across the public sector and the private sector for small organizations or large organizations, I realized that no matter what, no matter where we work, we as emergency managers tend to face similar obstacles. Uh And those obstacles always lead back to visibility and understanding of the profession. So if you look at leadership, the people we report to as emergency manager as emergency managers, whether they are elected officials or um, they are ahead of an organization, they oftentimes don't have a background in emergency management. And that makes it kind of hard for us to be able to get what we need to get the resources that we need in order to develop robust programs. So one of our focus areas is engaging with leadership Uh Um, to really expose them to emergency management, make them understand what it is and how we can best serve the jurisdiction or the company that we work for. And another piece to that is also making emergency management more visible to the general population. Uh Um, I have, I don't know about you, Rob, but I don't think I've ever met an emergency manager who, you know, grew up thinking that they wanted to become one. Right, (laughs) right. So... I mean, there's multiple reasons for that. Emergency management is a relatively new profession in terms of only now do you have programs that are rolling out in universities where you can actually study emergency management. Yeah, and there's still a lot of progress to be made there in terms of um, the types of programs, uh, how many of them and uh, the quality. Um, And then, so one of the things that we do is exposing young people college students, or even people who are maybe working in adjacent professions like public health, public administration, or the military to emergency management so they can know that it exists and decide if they want to pursue it themselves. So 
that's uh, what we do. We also engage with emergency managers. We keep the conversation going, um, really wanting to make sure that we get together as a collective and develop solutions to our own problems, uh, really feeling that, that empowerment. And so I was really pleased to see that this message resonated with a lot of people and yeah. people reached out to me wanting to become engaged and become active in this. So now I'm really proud to say that we're a team of 14 individuals spread across the entire U.S. And we even have a person in, in based in Canada and another one in the U.K. So it's been oh, nice. extremely rewarding. Yeah. Well, that's great. And um, it sounds like your mission is, you know, just right on point from from what we certainly what I see in the industry. Um, I, I think, you know, your, your point there with regards to, um, you know, you, you don't start off in this world and, and thinking, you know, you know, going through school and, oh, I want to be in the emergency, I want to be in emergency management in some way, shape or form, right? It's it's kind of, you know, a lot, a lot of the um, folks that I know that are in that field, they, you know, they kind of, you know, fall into it from, you know, either, either being in another profession, before that or you know it comes through somebody else you know passing on that um you know that's what they do and i think there's a lot more that um you know emergency management in general can do to let you know the public know what they do right um i think there's you know a big gap there it sounds like the initiative um, is going to help with that yeah we really need to learn to be advocates for ourselves absolutely (laughs) Yeah, I've seen a lot more on social media more more recently. Of course, you know on the, the big events that happen, whether it's a big storm or you know some kind of earthquake that goes on. I think you know kind of get, you get more exposure um, that way, um, you know, through response, right? And because you, you see them uh, on television or they're part of a, a group that responds, and the you know they're they're in front of a, a microphone or, or you know or a camera responding to you know um, a situation that's going on but um, you know we we should know before the event happens who they are and what they do right exactly and I think that's also been a benefit of COVID is shining that light on emergency management but we also know that after any type of incident uh, the interest level of people um, the population and even leaders goes down again relatively quickly so we have to make sure that we really leverage each opportunity that we get um, whether it's a real like a real life incident or, or planned event to yeah uh, build off of that and build momentum sure i know we're going to come back to what uh, you mentioned the podcast and we're going to, we've got a couple of um, questions with regards to that and, and some more questions around the initiative um and from your standpoint though um as it relates to having the right policies in place to support an emergency management program how critical is that and why <laughs> Having the right set of policies is really critical on a variety of levels. So if we start off with government, for example, uh, there really needs to be more attention paid to emergency management. And we've clearly seen the reasons why. And so in terms of questions of how do we ensure that vulnerable populations are front and center in our planning and response efforts and the types of uh, assistance that the government uh, can give out and such, that's really key. Or what loss can help prevent loss of life or, or loss of property. So there's lots that can be done there. And one example I like to give about what pertains to where I'm based here in, in Los Angeles is that our codes here are really based around preserving like life safety and not so much usability. So this means that our buildings are built in a way where if you're in them and you have an earthquake, you're 
it's very unlikely that you're going to die, but your building will not be habitable any longer. Right. And residents and businesses are going to lose their, their home. Mm-hmm. And so what are we going to do with, you know, all these thousands of people who are now homeless or all these shops that have to close down their doors? And when legislation was put forth to uh, to make that part of the to increase the building to a higher standard, which would only add one percent to the construction cost, which, you know, one percent is not a lot. Um, You know, there was significant pushback of, well, you know, this is something that should be really dependent on whoever is uh, is paying for the construction and is not so much a social issue. So there's still lots of these types of policies that need to be worked through to really, yeah, make sure that um, we can do our jobs best and preserve the the most lives that we can and preserve uh, loss of property as well, which is highly critical. And the same thing goes with businesses and organizations, which really need to support emergency management programs, not just in times of crisis, but throughout. And I think what is key here is, or what the struggle that we have is that we're not revenue generating for our organizations, but we are revenue preserving. And so we really need to lean on that and make sure that we can highlight this part to, to our leaders. Yeah, if the last few years, I mean, you know, even going back five, six, seven years when we had, you know, those three or four, um, you know, big hurricanes, um, you know, I think the South Coast had one or two big ones that year. And then I think Florida and the East Coast, Eastern Seaboard had one or two big ones as well. And obviously the Caribbean got devastated as well. And then, you know, then you come on to obviously COVID and, you know, and then just just recently in Texas, right, you know, the the massive uh, snowstorms and cold weather that um, basically cut power out for about five or six days there if for nothing else you know it just it just shows us that um you know um you know those um black swan events so to speak um you know are becoming more uh, prevalent exactly yeah and like you said the winter storms across texas and the rest of the country are another great example of that yeah um so what are the core components then from your perspective that uh, make up a successful emergency management program i'd say you know, besides looking at planning, uh, trainings and exercises and such, what really can make or break a program is one, having very strong leadership. And especially if, um, yeah, you, you really need to be the ambassador for emergency management within your leadership and really promote what your mission is about so that you can get the resources that you need. So I think strong leadership is one piece. Uh, Having a diverse team is another piece. We really need to reflect the diversity of the communities that we serve. And funding, obviously, is always a big thing. You know, the more funding you have, the, the more programs you can create. But also, if you don't have funding or if you have limited funding, it's being creative and, and finding ways to still engage with either your employees or your your local population and engage them in those uh, in those activities hmm. excellent um let's go back to the um growth initiative um i, I noticed on there um you have a, the podcast series you mentioned it earlier on i did go on and i started to listen to a few of them um and i would encourage our listeners to uh subscribe to to that uh, it's the covid19 hero podcast is that is that correct lorraine Correct. 
Yeah, oh, sorry, Heroes podcast. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, it's um, you know great series there. And although again, like I mentioned, I've not listened to all of them. Um, I want to congratulate you on starting that process because we did it many years ago, and uh, we're still doing them, and we get great feedback on them. Although we only do a couple of, a couple each month, but um, they certainly uh, they do a great job in, in sharing the uh, the story. So just why did you put that series together then? From um, you know from your standpoint, you know, and how successful has it been? So I'm a big, I've always been a really big fan of podcasts. And about a couple of years ago, I started having this idea of wanting to do one, but I related to emergency management, but I was always kind of lacking that, you know, that source of inspiration of what should it really be about. And last year, as I was sitting at home on the couch, like a month or two into COVID, I was having conversations with friends and I was reading news articles, obviously, about everything that was going on. And I was just so in awe of all the efforts that I saw from people out there in trying to help um, lead the way in in the pandemic. And and so I was really inspired by that. And I wanted to highlight who those people were and what they were doing and uh, a part of it was highlighting a few emergency managers. I had a few emergency managers on the on the show, which was great. Yep. Uh, but also, like everyday people, I have a I interviewed an artist turned mask maker who, um, yeah, she started making masks and she slowly built a whole army of mask makers across the country. There there's thousands of them, um, nurses, of course, and yep. just uh, like social workers. I had a lot of social workers really highlighting the important work that they do. So. I just wanted it to be a meaningful way to capture the times that we are living in. And it's funny, my my mother-in-law always tells me, oh, this will be a great to look back on in our COVID-19 archives. And I'm sure there's going to be lots uh, filled in, in COVID-19 archives, but I do think <laughs> it'll be great uh, years from now to look back to those interviews and re-experience what those initial weeks and months were like. Yeah, excellent. And uh, so are you, are you continuing to put that series together or is it, have you, are you doing that still or is it just a short series? So, yeah, the first season concluded last summer and I would love nothing more than to do a second one, uh, this time focusing more on the vaccine process, the oh. development of it, the distribution of it. I will say I, that with everything, school and work and EMGI, it's been a lot to to, to juggle. Oh, yeah. So um, I, I, my hope is to pr- produce a second season uh, later this year. Yeah. Um, have you looked into Clubhouse? Yes, I have. Okay. Yeah, that's an, I mean, uh, uh, if, you've, if you've looked into it, it's, a, it's another medium I'm just getting involved in now and, uh, you know, just starting out to, to look at um, how we can, you know, uh, you know, bring groups of folks together and have those discussions and seems to be, you know, low impact in terms of, you know, organizing it and equipment, you know, you just kind of, you know, turn up, right, and just, um, you know, host a, host a discussion. So, uh, but um, I'm looking into that um, from our standpoint as well. So, um, yeah, I think audio is just a great medium. Yeah, and it's funny that you bring that up because uh, tonight I'm actually hosting my very first room in my room for the first time. Oh, you are? And what time? Yes. What's it called? Uh, it'll be at 8 p.m. Eastern time, and it's uh, about the Texas winter storms. So, yeah, just uh, inviting emergency managers from Texas and elsewhere. Uh, really anywhere to participate in talking about the Texas winter storms and the different perspectives on it. 
Um, so I'll be happy to share an invite with you to the yeah, event. I, I just found you on the app, so I'm, I'm, I'll be there. Perfect. Just start following you. Oh, social media, hey? And <laughs> looking forward to that. Um, okay, <laughs> let's talk back to the initiative. Where, where do you see this in five years' time? My wish for EMGI is to really become a prime nonprofit space helping to design and shape the emergency management profession. And there's so many ways that we can do that. Um, there's more ideas than there is a time or resources at this point. Yeah. <laughs> but I think uh, some of the things that I would love to see in five years time are one, we are launching a series called the Innovation Hubs, where we bring just a few emergency managers from uh, all over the country and abroad together in a virtual space to and face them with a, a challenge that we face as emergency managers. And over several weeks, you really work on this challenge as, as a group uh, to try to come up with solutions that can then be applied in your own organization or um, elsewhere. So I would love to see those innovation hubs taking place nationally and internationally. I would love to see more increased partnership with academia. Oh. Mm -hmm. um, we also suffer from a lack of, of, of funding in our research. And so it'd be great to, um, yeah, to, to highlight emergency, manager, emergency management to people who, ha who are investors and who have money to, to spend. Yep. And I think looking at climate change, for example, which is the main thing that we're going to be dealing with for, you know, the rest of our careers, uh, especially someone like me, who's, you know, recently started out, it's going to be the main thing. And so, and there's so many people who are working on all types of um, facets of climate change and uh, how to, how to slow it down, et cetera. And I think we have potential of reaching folks and showing them that emergency management is a key component to it. And I think they just don't realize it. And if they did, then we wouldn't be able to have more, more funding in that area. Sure. Um, yeah. And another thing that I would love to do is host international delegations. So having, emergency managers from all over the world meet in one select location every year and like small groups and they get to meet local emergency managers, meet themselves. So for example, if Los Angeles is the spot we're going to, they can meet with the city's emergency managers, the port, which is uh, the second biggest port in the US, yeah. uh, the Walt Disney Company, for example, and really learn from, from those areas and then learn from the other people who are participating and building those relationships relationships uh, i think we can we could really benefit from that yeah no that's a great idea and um i know um i have some friends north of the border in canada who do a lot of um kind of cross-border work with other you know emergencies especially that you know uh here in new england um you know we we border with a couple of uh, provinces um and there's always a kind of a cross-border sharing of resources in cases you know some issue one board, one side of the border or the other so i know there's some great stuff that's already going on i'd be happy actually to put you in touch with uh, Mark Gillen uh, in Canada who we've worked with extensively as a former firefighter but does a, a ton of emergency management work in Canada he'd love to um, you know um, be in touch with you so um, it'd be a great resource for you yeah that'd be lovely thank you uh, 
Um, okay. Um, I had some other questions as well. I think we could continue to talk for a while here. This is great. Um, but I'd like to kind of start to wrap up here. I know um, at PreparedX, as you know, uh, we're all about exercises here at PreparedX. Um, and uh, we often uh, end by, you know, talking about exercises. And uh, could you share a story with us from one of your experiences from, you know, either preparing an exercise, being involved with one, uh, you know, it can be, you know, anything in terms of, you know, it could be a fun thing that happened during an exercise, a good, you know, a happy story or, you know, a serious um, lesson that you learned from, from those, you know, anything you can share with us? Yeah, I totally love exercises. I love that this is my, my, my full-time job and it's particularly great uh, working for a global company like Disney, where I get to work with groups like National Geographic and help develop exercises for them and play a, a tiny piece and them being safe out there and what they do. Um, one of my most rewarding exercise experiences was actually when I was at UCLA and we had our full scale exercise and at this point, I had spent uh, two years developing a CERT program, a community emergency response team program for the university. And we had trained over 300 staff, faculty and students in CERT. And now we finally got to um, really have them be involved in a full full uh, simulation and that was really lovely to see after just having put you know two years of efforts into building that out to, to see them all come together and do yep. their thing that was a really rewarding experience um, as a training and exercise person and um, it's funny also right before I left UCLA we were preparing for our next exercise and we had introduced the idea of uh, simulating a helicopter crash because we have a hospital that's right on campus uh, with a helicopter landing and uh, so it's definitely something that could happen and I thought well you know that would be a really interesting exercise to do that's kind of out there and not as yeah. you know as the classic like earthquake exercise it's it's a little bit special so yeah. maybe one day i'll get to do it right right yeah no that's, that's a good one we like to think outside of the box but you know again you know as uh, either nature or humans have uh, you know keep showing us that uh, you know these things uh, you know do happen we do a lot on the cyber front and uh, you know we, we get um we get you know we don't shake our heads anymore saying how did this possibly happen it's just a, you know it's just another day in our world right yeah, I'm sure you're getting busier and busier as time progresses. That's right. That's right. Um, well, this has been this has been great. Um, what I would like to I'd like to extend uh, an invite to you to if you're available, it's not until October to speak at uh, our annual uh, crisis management conference. You're you're familiar with ICMC, right? The International Crisis Management Conference. Uh, I I didn't uh, look it up. Yes. Okay. So yes, yeah, so, so our other. Um, part of PreparedX, um, you know, it's another business that we, we started um, and it was a, you know, a business that we started to just to bring in folks to start to talk to each other. It's awareness training um, and, you know, you know, and we have an annual event that we put on. This is our, this will be our sixth year now. Um, of course, last, last year was virtual and we, this year we're planning virtual as well because we're just too many unknowns still come, come kind of the full time prep time frame but uh, i'd love to ha uh, talk to you some more about potentially speaking of that uh, conference if you'd be interested yeah i'd be honored yeah great awesome well this has been fantastic um thank you for your time today thank you so much rob i really really appreciate it
Yeah, no problem. Just before you do um, shoot off there, um, where can listeners get a hold of you if they want to touch base with you, uh, LinkedIn, or maybe contact you? Yeah, definitely uh, find me on LinkedIn. Lorraine Schneider uh, should be pretty easy to find. And uh, if you want to also get involved with EMGI and participate in our dinners or be a participant in one of our innovation hubs, you can also find the Emergency Management Growth Initiative on LinkedIn or find us at emginitiative.org. That's wonderful. Thanks again for your time today, Lorraine. Thank you, Rob. Okay, that wraps up episode 84 of our podcast series. Please comment or rate us on iTunes or wherever else you're listening to this podcast today. We appreciate uh, our listeners and we look forward to hearing from you soon. Take care, everyone.